Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 252. I'm your host, Jared White. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. Hmm. 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 It's Thursday, it's Friday, rather, and I have nothing clever prepared to say as a first line, so you're just going to get this babbling instead. Well, based on one of the things we talked about right before we started recording, I thought you were going to go with war. War never changes. That would have been good. I, I can't quite do, you know, a good Ron, Ron Perlman. Perlman. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that would have been a good one. I'll have to, I'll practice for next week. Maybe that can, be, that can be how we lead off. I read once that he suffers from, I don't know if it's gigantism or it's the medical defect where somebody's, like, lower jaw never stops growing. And that's why, like, as he's gotten older, hmm. he starts to look more and more like a gorilla. <laughs> like, he's just, like, a... A physically imposing man, obviously. Shout out to Hellboy uh, and Ron Perlman's voice. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to mention. We were going to do... Um, we are going to review our predictions for the year. That was originally the plan. Uh, but based on all the news we got this week, I figured we'd just kick that can down the road and probably do that at the end of the year instead of doing an eight-month check-in. Uh, just because there's a bunch of stuff to talk about today and... With uh, Gamescom happening next week and then another event happening soon that we're going to talk about in this episode. We can just wait till the end of the year. It's no biggie. Because a lot of that stuff is like Metacritic predictions and all of that. So we'll see how it ends up turning out. But speaking of Ron Perlman and War Never Changes, the first thing I wanted to talk about here, Dom, is some uh, set photos from uh, Vault 32, which is the vault that the upcoming Fallout TV series is taking place have leaked. Um... Really cool stuff. We talked about it right before the show of how it's managing it's managing to capture the feeling of a Fallout game. And that's always one of the weird things when you think about adaptations. I think more so in video games than books in the sense that there's going to be a direct one-to-one comparison visually, right? Because mm-hmm. if it's a novel and it hasn't been adapted yet, people are adapting that in the way they see the book was written and not like, oh, this is how this looks. This is how it should look in live action. Um the photos feature, I want to go over them and I want to get your total uh, take on everything. It features the outside of the vault. There's like a weird barn house, which is very interesting that we can get into of what that means for the actual vault. And then we get to see pictures from inside the vault. There's like a nursery in there, which is uh, very reminiscent of any of the beginnings of uh, Fallout games. Most notably, was it 4 that had the nursery? Or was yes, for sure. I always get... Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think in um, 3, there might also be... Um, cause you do start off technically as a baby in that game, but in four it's, um, there, well, there's a nursery. It's not even in the vault. Actually, <laughs> you're, you're in an actual Yeah, house. true. True. Yeah. And then there's also, well, that's a funny thing is because the nursery image reminds me of fallout four, but then the other image where it shows like a disheveled classroom reminds me of fallout three. Because at the beginning of that game, you do the, uh, go exam or whatever it's called. Yep. Uh, do you remember? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Really cool. Like I said, it's awesome to see the Fallout world and the vaults in real space and see an actual set. Um, what did you think about these photos, and uh, what details can you gleam that you think that maybe, oh, they might be doing this with the vault at all from the images? So, in general, yeah, it looks super authentic. It does look just like the game, especially these ones inside the vault um, in that nursery. Yeah, it just it feels exactly like how the game feels every like i don't know the the way the windows are super you know deep and rounded off uh, between the rooms in the vault and everything and there's a lot of like things are there's furniture thrown around and like this vault looks like it got you know trashed basically so we can assume that we're obviously going to be in the vault and then also not in the vault so you know something's going to happen in typical fallout fashion where we're rushing out of this vault but I'm not sure because I, I did try to look up does Vault 32, you know, is that ever used in any of the games? And I didn't find anything. So I don't, maybe I just need to look harder. But the closest was Vault was Vault 34, is what I found. Yeah. That's what I saw. So maybe they're doing something um, original w- with the vault or something non specific. Because obviously, like different vaults have different things going on. Some were experiments and some were just people living and, and so on and all sorts of wild stuff. So otherwise i i don't know nothing really sticks out necessarily i just do get the vibe of fallout 3 
kind of a situation where, you know, people were clearly living peacefully in this vault um, for some time and even having children, obviously. And then they weren't based on what I observed earlier that, you know, there's furniture thrown around in one of the photos and that kind of thing. So will it be the same Liam Neeson kind of setup from Fallout 3 where, you know, he goes out to, to find water and gets in a disagreement with the overseer and all that? Who knows? But, um, yeah, I don't know what else, what other details could so, be hints. The barn stuff I don't understand at all. That could be anything, right? Well, yeah, but to, so obviously we know from Fallout that every every vault has like a like it's an experiment, right? Every vault is is an experiment to some extent. We just don't know it uh, most of the time until it's too late, unfortunately, for the people in the vault, not necessarily the main character you're playing as. But with this, because it's a farmhouse outside, I wonder if these people inside are being trained to be the people who cultivate the land following the nuclear fallout. And maybe that's the thing. And maybe when you come out, that is kind of the base of the shows. It's people surviving on a farm or a homestead and they slowly explore the world around them type thing. Um, Because obviously with, with uh, setting two, we don't know necessarily that just because in these photos, the barn set is right in front of the fallout gate. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be that close when they film the show. They could be separate sets that they're holding together in this warehouse when they actually shoot. It might be different, right? We don't know that yet. Um, but from what it looks like, I do think that that's going to be a prime thing to this is that when they come out of the vault, there's going to be some sort of farming or homestead a- aspect to it. And mm-hmm. when you think about from a TV show perspective, that lends a lot of ground for you know, character development and relationships and then having a base where you can go out and then come back to. Uh, I am curious to see what the actual, like, sole plot of the show is. But the, my biggest, I wouldn't even say concern, but interest was seeing how well they could adapt the aesthetic of Fallout into live action and they're nailing it, so I'm stoked for that. And honestly, like, that's, uh, among many things, the the aesthetic is one of my favorite parts of Fallout, um, of the game. So, like, and I think that I think a lot of people share that too, right? Because it's that, it's that weird, you know, we're stuck in the '50s, but it's a post-apocalypse, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know that's just such a big part of the allure of Fallout, and they're nailing that here. Um, obviously, there's going to be more to it. Like, how do they, how do they give us, you know, the kind of sense of exploration and and you know, outside the vault and all the different wacky stuff that, that can happen. And all the sci-fi elements, right? Like the sci-fi yep. guns and the mutants and all of that stuff. That's like much more than what you'd expect from like a post apocalypse where it's like just humans trying to survive. It's like all these sci-fi elements that really add to it. Um, I am excited about Jonathan Nolan running the show. He runs Westworld and funny enough, that's a show that's basically you take, very futuristic concepts. I don't want to spoil the show for anybody who hasn't seen it. There's very futuristic concepts in that show, but it's presented at least in the first season of the show as a Western, right? If that makes sense. So in the Mm -hmm. same way, you're presenting something that's very old fashioned and basic and Western adjacent, but there's all of these futuristic sci-fi elements. You also have to add in there. And uh, I believe this is an Amazon show, right? Yeah, I believe it's Amazon. And boy, howdy, if you've seen the budget that they put into the Lord of the Rings show, not saying this will have the same budget, but Amazon isn't afraid to put budget into their shows. Heck, you even look at something like The Boys, that uh, it also has a really good budget for what it is. So I'm I'm not worried about the budget. I'm not worried about necessarily the the show from a directing standpoint, but I am with you of like, how are they going to incorporate all of these elements? But at least the first step, Dom, they got the aesthetic. As long as they continue mm-hmm. with that, I'm excited to see where things go. And uh, we got to have a dog companion in this, too. We got we got to have a dog in this show. I Hopefully mean, he doesn't need, get killed. We literally need dog meat. Um, <laughs> I, I'll just, I think that's that's a fair expectation. He's been in every game, I think. Um, maybe not the earliest ones, but yeah, we need dog meat. Absolutely. Wait, quick question. I'm going to look this up. Was it, is this an anthology show? You know, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know if they've said. It's a good question. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at that real quick. Uh, is the sorry if you can hear my typing. I'm unfortunate thing of looking up TV show on anthology. I I can't remember. 
Hold on, I'm, I'm looking it up on the thing to see if they have any details about it. Wow, Todd <coughs> Howard's executive producing the show. I did not know that. <coughs> Excuse me, that uh, makes sense. That's good to hear, though, that he's, um, yeah, doing that. Apparently, we so saw trying... the Super Duper Mart in a different uh, set of leaked photos, so I missed that, I guess. Really? I did not see that. According to this article I'm reading. So oh, I that. see it. I see it. It's on the official wiki. Whoa, that looks cool. It's like the big picture where you can see like the sky at the top half of it. Is that that photo you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm just trying to see if they announce if it's going to be... Uh, an anthology. It doesn't look like it. Which kind of makes sense because if they're announcing like Walter Goggins is starring in the show, it'd be weird to... Like, how are you going to have an anthology and say one person start? Like, it doesn't make sense, really. Yeah. Uh, Unless he was, um, you know, in each episode and and the other cast rotated around him, maybe. Could be. Yeah, or he could play a different character in different vaults or something, which yeah. would be interesting as well. Because he is so much a character actor. Like, he can, you can disguise him in uh, makeup and props and stuff where he can kind of hide into the role. You know what I mean? But... Who knows? Mm -hmm. We'll see. Uh, we've talked enough about that. Super excited. Obviously, Dom and I love Fallout, and we can't see, can't wait to see how the show turns out. Next up, we got some new dates, Dom. Uh, a couple of them breaking, and one of them that happened, I think, the day after we recorded our uh, Fantasy Critics League thing, where we were both like, yeah, Hogwarts Legacy has to be delayed, right? Turns <laughs> out, of course it was. It was delayed to February 10th, so further muddying up that early release window for 2023, which... At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a second slate of delays from those first three months into uh, the summer time, just so that way it becomes less crowded for people who want to compete. Hogwarts probably doesn't have to worry about moving. It's Harry Potter. Um, and honestly, I think I've come around on the idea of, like, <clears throat> I'm not necessarily so against buying it and playing it, Dom, um, because to some extent it's like, I don't know. It, we've had a conversation. It's so hard and frustrating to think about. And it's like, do I want to give money to JK Rowling? But also, do I want to reward these people for providing experience? So many Harry Potter fans have wanted forever. And you know what I mean? It's one of those things of like, I feel bad for the developers. And it looks so amazing. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Planet of Lana, which is an indie game I was excited about. It gives a lot of um, uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps vibes. It's a 2D platformer. Uh, has been delayed to spring 2023. It featured a little kid on this planet that was being invaded by an alien species, and it has a partner that's like little circular black fuzzball thing. Um, but the big announcement here is it's a bummer that it got delayed to spring 2023, but it's coming Game Pass Day 1. So strike another oh, cool. positive for Game Pass, which is dope. Oh, this isn't on the news either, but it was announced today that Death Stranding is coming to PC Xbox Game Pass, which is wild. That that game is uh, landing on Xbox. I was hoping it'd come to console, but I think that's a bridge too far. Uh, but still, super weird, uh, considering how much that was attached to PlayStation. And lastly, a slight bummer, High on Life, which is a Squanch Games title from Justin Roiland and the creators of Rick and Morty. The game has been delayed from October to December 13th. Obviously, that's also an Xbox Day 1 Game Pass title. I'm kind of worried that this might slip again out of the year. I'm hoping they stick to that December 13th date, but we'll see what happens. Next, sales, sales, sales. You have some sales news. Uh, as of June 30th, 2022, Dom, Elden Ring has shipped 16.6 million copies. Yeah, that's wild. Once again, we did our spoiler cast on Elden Ring. Please catch that. Uh, we released it a couple of weeks ago. It's on the YouTube channel. It's on the podcast feed. We talk about all of our favorite aspects of the game, what we think it could have corrected, what we want from DLC and the sequel, all of that good stuff. But yeah, there, there's no shock, right? This is, I think, the only game that has a... Ch Hold on, before I correct my... Outside of Call of Duty and Madden and, like, the sports titles, the only game that has a chance to outsell this is God of War, right? Yeah, and even that will be tough just because it's so late. Um... And it's not multi-platform. And it's not multi-platform. It could, in fact, I'd, I feel like it's likely to outsell it overall, like Lifetime. Um, well, I'm talking about this year. Like, yeah, I don't think it has year. a chance, yeah. 
yeah, that's going to be a tough order, especially in only two months. And that's like also assuming it doesn't get delayed again itself. I'm interested to see something. Uh, hold on. Uh, talk. Do me a favor and talk about. Uh, I don't know something related to to Elden Ring. While I look this up real quick. Something. Related Maybe tell to people Elden about Ring. our spoiler cast and why they should listen to it. Uh, you should listen to it because um, it's a I don't know a fun conversation about who we thought the coolest bosses were, of which there's an obvious choice, and you know what kind of weapons and and builds we used. You know highs and lows on the games. Of course, it's mostly highs, but we were not afraid to nitpick either the things that we thought maybe could be a bit better um also that is tough to do because overall enjoyment of elden ring was just through the roof um yeah we're we're sure to mention alexander potboy um your favorite ceramic friend um i don't know it, it was a good time and i look forward to another um another show where we can do you know a more in-depth look at a single game like that where we both have pretty intimate knowledge and experience with it <clears throat> okay so i found maybe, the answer i was looking for and let me guess what you were looking up were you looking up the sales numbers for god of war one and dark souls 3 ah good call so i was intrigued the so dark souls 3 as of 2020 sold 10 million copies mm-hmm. i would say a safe estimate is to add another maybe 2 million copies on the end of that now that we're in 2022 so Safely 12 million, I would say, on the low end. God of War, the first one, sold 19.5 million copies. Mm-hmm. And that's on a PlayStation 4 console base that currently sits at, what, 117 million consoles total sold? Which is a good thing to point out because Ragnarok also coming out on PS4. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, so I was yeah. I was going to have a counterpoint of if this thing, if <laughs> PS5s aren't selling the way PS4s are because of, obviously, supply constraints. But then, yeah, it's also coming out on PS4, so that makes my argument null and void. Uh, also, considering that it's the, the time in which God of War Ragnarok is releasing, people are kind of thirsty for a new game. Like, the AAA scene hasn't mm-hmm. been that uh, fulfilling this year because of all the delays. So Yeah, people I mean, you just pointed all, out also, several new delays even this past week. Exactly. Uh, like it's only real competition is outside of like I said, Call of Duty and the sports titles is like what Gotham Knights. Am yeah, I missing which is, anything? Which is even like a, a month or two earlier, or a month earlier. So like, and if it wasn't Batman, know. I wouldn't even put it near. But because it's Batman, you never know how that could sell. Uh, obviously, but plus like there's something we've talked about that game so much. It needs to get here, and so we can like you know just get over get over with whatever it's going to be. <laughs> but it doesn't. Something I never thought about is like. It doesn't have Batman in the title, which I think is a big deal. Um, but it, he is all over the marketing. marketing. So he's like included in you know images and whatever. Almost all of them talk about Bruce Wayne dying. Yeah. Okay. That's probably that was probably part of the part That's of the deal here. <laughs> We're not gonna. They had to talk someone into you know just calling it Gotham Knights instead of because even the other games weren't were, oh shoot oh man were they called batman arkham knight arkham asylum or were they just called i'm gonna look arkham? that up real quick while you oh, continue man. this might be the biggest foot and mouth moment of of the episode certainly not of the week but because <clears throat> that not that it's uh unclear that those games were batman games but i think there's something to be said about you know from your marketing team's perspective they might want batman so the in official the title. Right. So you know how with Star Wars Jedi, the franchise is Star Wars Jedi, right? And then they add the word. For this, the franchise is Batman Arkham. Okay. And they just add, so it's Batman Arkham Asylum, City Origins Night. Okay. Yeah. Because it's, it's an interesting uh, proposition to say, like, we're going to make you know, a game in the Batman universe, but we're not going to include his name in the title. And, you know, when you're trying to sell games, that's, that might be a tough one to convince the marketing team of. Well, especially when you have arguably the most popular superhero in the world, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, so it does make sense then why they're they're sure to uh, include his men- a mention, uh, you know, in some of that. And of course, like, we don't know, but come on, is he dead? Are we not going to see him in this entire game? We'll see. Well, they recently came out and said that he's dead at the beginning of the game and at the end of the game, or something like that. Which is like, it's almost weird. Is it like the entity, like the the presence of Batman, is dead? Are they going to revive him in the middle of the game just to actually kill him at the end of the game? Who knows? We'll or is it kind of like the Joker in Arkham Knight? Um, spoilers for Arkham Knight. 
who is dead, very dead, but is featured prominently in that game. Because how can you not? Yeah, you have Mark Hamill, and like he's all over that game in a non-physical sense, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and like I said too, it could be a thematic thing of the Batman is dead, but it's like Bruce Wayne maybe mm. retiring from it Good or something. Call. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, next up, let's talk about Embracer Group buying everything. Uh, so this came out uh on the evening of August seventeenth, like at eight p.m. Mountain Time, which was like obviously ten p.m. Eastern Time. This was like towards the coming tonight. Just randomly, uh, the Swedish media holding company and video game publisher Embracer Group announced a slew of purchases. They vary in both notoriety and value. Here is a list of some of the acquisitions. This doesn't include some of the smaller uh developers or like technology companies that they got i kind of picked the most relevant or interesting ones of the group so the first one is sing tricks which is a karaoke machine and microphone system which is a very odd thing but based on the fact that it's a swedish company karaoke is pretty big in europe and asia not so much in north america we do have karaoke bars and stuff but it isn't the same so that makes sense uh next up is tuxedo labs does that name sound familiar to you dom no Back at Gamescom 2020, they showed off this game called Teardown, which was like a pixel heist game where you could go and attack a heist mission the way you wanted to by exploding buildings, and it's a voxel pixel look to it. It's very um, unique in the way it looks, and it kind of caught the eyes of a bunch of people. Jeff Keighley came out and said, oh, it's you know, developed by a couple of people, and it was incredible looking. Basically, that's the indie dev working on that game, so they purchased them. It is a Swedish developer. Makes sense for the Swedish company. Next up, uh, this is a company I didn't know about. This is Tat- uh, Tatsujin, which is a new Japanese studio led by a man named Masahiro Yuji, who is famed uh, for co-founding the arcade game developer Toplin, which I guess is home to a bunch of very beloved old-school Japanese arcade games. So, though that isn't relevant to us, um, it seems like a pretty big deal, and it's uh, Embracer Group's first Japanese purchase, which is also an important detail. Uh, next up, Limited Run Games. Uh, if you oh. follow the game space at all, especially on social media, you should be familiar with Limited Run Games because they're known for releasing limited edition runs, physical limited edition runs of digital indie games, uh, or they also do special editions for smaller titles. Um Somebody uh, mentioned this on Twitter. Sorry, I can't remember who it was. They said that this purchase was interesting because Embracer Group is known for doing these very crazy limited editions for their games, Dom, where like, mm-hmm. they do Battle That's for cool. Bikini Bottom, Rehydrated. It's this like, three-foot statue of SpongeBob and all this stuff. And it's because they tend to... I'm assuming they'd lose money on that stuff or it just isn't worth it in the end. Limited run games seems like the type of, type of company that work best for the level of releases embrace a group does because they don't necessarily release like triple a after triple a it's much more double a and smaller budget titles so getting with the company and owning the company that does the physical and special edition runs of those type of games the best at least in my opinion makes sense right yeah it's interesting because well i'm a little hesitant with with embracer as a whole um but yeah i've been following limited run games and I think it's super cool what they do where, like, you know, obviously physical copies of games that otherwise didn't get them <clears throat> or haven't in, you know, years or decades or whatever it is. Um, I didn't realize about the statues, though, or the um, and all that stuff you're mentioning. So, like, they're cool as hell. Um, so if Embracer can only, you know, only continues to, you know, enable them to do more of what they're doing, then that's awesome. I have, like, you know, always a tinge of fear when companies get taken over by big groups and stuff like that of how they'll change um if it's for the worse or whatever it is but yeah well especially companies like embracer group that aren't uh they're more nebulous right in their mm-hmm. approach to things very uh which is we we talk about you know um, yeah and with companies like sony and microsoft can get scary because they're such big powerful companies <laughs> <coughs> sorry i swallowed a bug apparently or something <coughs> Uh, like that guy but when it comes to, when it comes to uh, this is a tough pill to swallow. Embracer Group buying all these things. Um, <laughs> when it comes to Embracer Group, it's scarier because at least those other companies would kind of have an idea of what they plan to do with something they acquire, right? Mm-hmm. With Embracer Group, it's like Embracer Group can disappear tomorrow, and then what happens? To everything they own. Um, 
you know, it, they're not something released by Google, so they probably won't disappear tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's especially with the thing we're going to come up to later, which has me both excited and worried. Uh, but next up, we have Tripwire Interactive. Now, this is a developer that maybe the common video game player might not recognize, but they're responsible for some really big hits, Dom, especially in the PC space. So Tripwire Interactive, does that name ring a bell to you or no? Not at all. So they've developed Deceive Incorporated, The Killing Floor 1 and 2, which are really popular, Maneater, the shark game, the shark simulator oh. game, yeah. and Chivalry 2, which is like huge on PC, yeah. uh, which is the physics-based uh, medieval combat game. I think that's that's one of those purchases that most people will glance over, but for Embracer, I think it does add a bit of validity to their stable of developers because it is a studio with hits, and it is stuff that they can lean into, and maybe for those communities too, limited run games, that purchase, maybe they do release something uh, physical for Chivalry 2 or Maneater that those fans want, and it's in a limited capacity, so it doesn't financially handicap Embracer, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that's another now, interesting one. Yeah. Let me get a swig of water real quick. <clears throat> My that pill of Embracer Group got <clears throat> lodged in my throat. Next up, this is the big one. Uh, Middle Earth Enterprises. This came out of nowhere. This was like, whoa. So, this means that they own the full IP rights to The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit when it comes to specifically movies, television, video games, board games, merchandising, theme parks, and some other minor things. But it doesn't include the book rights. Uh, that's a, a big thing to note there. And the r rumors suggest, because none of these prices for these, which we'll get into in the next point, which is important, none of the purchase prices were revealed yet, which will probably happen at Embracer Group's next stockholder meeting or shareholder meeting. The rumored price for Middle Earth Enterprises was $2 billion. Which, in my opinion, seems like a steal for that IP, uh, based on everything you can do. Now, I would be lying if I didn't say I was a little bit worried, because they're, I would much rather them be owned by somebody else outside of Embracer Group. But, what wasn't it a couple of weeks ago, Dom, that we were talking about, where's our AAA Lord of the Rings, where are our Lord of the Rings games? We're not getting any. The only thing we have is that weird, ugly Gollum game, and obviously yeah. the Shadow of games. But outside of that, like, where's our Lord of the Rings games, right? So it's like... Seems like a monkey's paw situation, honestly. And like, where? I mean, does it? So this includes, <clears throat> you know, m movies and future movies or shows or. Yeah, they own the rights now to the show that's coming out in a couple of weeks. Okay, so Amazon is making that show, but now Embracer owns the rights to them making it, basically. And that's yes, yeah, so okay. basically the contract that the whoever held it signed with Amazon now. Embracer owns the that yeah. contract essentially. Yeah. Okay. So that's a. Yeah, I think you're right. That is a steal. Um, even thinking back to twenty, I think fourteen, when Star Wars got bought by Disney for like six billion, and that obviously turned out to be a steal. Um, arguably bigger IP there, but even still, that was also almost a decade ago, and the price of these things that just seems to go rapidly, you know, up um, over time too. So. I think you're right. Like that's a that's a big steal, especially if they capitalize on it. Because it and because also we haven't been getting you know, as much Lord of the Rings stuff as we could be. That franchise has not been, um, I'll say, you know, used to the extent it could be. Others might say like you know it's not been exploited as much as it could be either. So I guess that's a perspective. But yeah, we could at least get some games, right? Um, this show should be cool. Who knows? I mean. It, it it's another one like if this is a good change and this enables you know they can give some developers some ip to make some lord of the rings games or you know get some other stuff out of it then then this should be great so, assuming they're of a decent quality but it's <clears> kind of been dormant a little bit i feel i did some research into the tolkien estate and they were kind of a nightmare to deal with when it came to like publishing uh -huh. rights and stuff okay so my hope is that that kind of loosens the levy on what exactly can use the license. Obviously, mm -hmm. I don't want it to be all loosey-goosey, but Not from what much. I've read, yeah. assumedly, the Tolkien estate was, like, notoriously difficult to work with. Okay. Um, so I kind of understand. That's why, like, Shadow of can't use this, the main timeline. It's, like, its own... I mean, mm -hmm. it used, all that weird stuff, right? Where, like, um, War of the North also couldn't use the... 
all that weird IP stuff where it's like contractually and legally you can't use this, but you can use this. So hopefully things work out. Worst case scenario, the the hope here in a worst case scenario state is that if Embracer folds, that'll probably be the first IP they try to sell to make up their losses, right? And that'll be a hot commodity for people. So, uh, and just to put in perspective, you know, Disney bought Marvel for four billion as well, which is like nothing. Oh man, that's yeah, crazy. That's a steal. That's robbery. Well, to put it in perspective, do you remember how much they bought 21, 21st Century Fox for? Oh, because that wasn't that long ago. Because that's like with X-Men and everything, right? Yeah, that was $71 billion. Holy crap. What? Yeah, but you also have to imagine that includes like Hulu and Alien and Predator and uh, National Geographic. And that doesn't even make sense. Money is made a, up. Whatever. Yeah, money is made up. Like, Marvel <laughs> so and Star Wars were a steal at those prices, yeah. and Lord of the Rings is also a steal at this price. It's crazy. Um, <clears throat> the last thing, did you see this last part about uh, this other purchase they made? Very weird. I don't think so. So, quote, Embracer Group, this is, this is all PR posts from Embracer Group, by the way, this last one. Quote, Embracer has entered into agreement to acquire another company within PC console gaming that, for commercial reasons, is not disclosed today. The purchase price for this undisclosed acquisition is in the range of being among either third or fourth largest of the transactions. So out of everything they bought, this is the third or fourth largest? Yeah, number one is obviously Middle Earth. Number two, based on everything we saw, is either limited run games or one of the weird tech things, because tech companies can be really expensive, right, mm -hmm. based on the proprietary stuff that they accomplish. Uh, yeah, so it's very weird. So obviously we're not talking about like, they're not buying Ubisoft or EA or right. something crazy, something but they could, smaller. they could buy, uh, a, like a Nordic or a Swedish game developer. Uh, some people suggested CD project red, which wouldn't nah, be too that shocking. Much. That would, they would cost more than, I guess what, what for third or fourth. I don't know. I guess it depends on what the number We're also is. not coming off of The Witcher. We're coming off of Cyberpunk. And you have to think about, like, public shares sure. and stuff. I don't know where that company sits value-wise now. You know what I mean? And CD Projekt has, like, a deal worked out with The Witcher IP to make games. But they don't own that IP or anything like that. Also, I think a lot of their development costs are subsidized by the Polish government, too, to some extent. So. Well, yeah, so that would make them pretty valuable. Yeah. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, next up, I want to talk about this thing that came out of nowhere, Dom. We're getting a Disney and Marvel game showcase. Oh, man. Which is pretty yeah, exciting. Uh, so a new gaming showcase focused on Disney and Marvel properties is set to take place on September 9th. It is being hosted by Kind of Funny Zone and our friend, Blessing Adioye Jr., which is really which exciting. Is incredibly cool. And that's... I, from all, all, all sides of this, I was like, this is just the coolest thing in the world right now like first of all obviously i'm so super pumped for this event we've been predicting and hoping for different star wars games to come out and different marvel games to come out with different developers yada yada you know for the last couple of years at least um just between us um so hopefully we get a little bit of that out of this showcase and then for blessing to be I, this is cool i'm so excited i'm so excited for the showcase i'm, I'm so happy for blessing this is awesome the crazy thing, the little uh, fun fact about controlled interests and people who maybe may not know Blessing before kind of funny is he ran OK Beast. He was the first guest on our podcast. It was like episode yeah. four or five. And I was the first guest on OK Beast. Oh, or, really? or, yeah. The, yeah, because when he merged with Alex, they still kept the OK Beast name. Yeah, it's, that's a very weird thing that happened. I'm so excited for him. It's going to be dope. And it seems like for the way he was talking about it on Kind of Funny, it's going to be he's in-person hosting, which is exciting. It's not like him Ooh. at his webcam. From what right. I at least saw, who knows, between the world changes every day, things could change between now and September 9th. Uh, so the official release statement for this says, quote, in addition to all new announcements, fans can expect new reveals from titles including Disney Dreamlight Valley, Marvel's Midnight Suns, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, and a sneak peek at the upcoming Marvel Ensemble game from Skydance New Media. Now, I broke this down into three sections, Dom. I broke this down into confirmed games, expected games, and speculative games. So we're going to go through this list one by one. 
So the confirmed games, Disney Dreamlight Valley, which is that weird game where you can like walk around a town with the Disney characters. I think it's partially VR or something, whatever. Next up, Marvel's Midnight Suns, which recently got a delay. I'm excited to see more of that game. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. Do you think it's DLC here? Or like character packs? Or what do you think? Because we just had, obviously, the Obi-Wan show. So maybe some character packs from that. We have Andor coming up. So maybe some character packs from that is like the obvious stuff. Um, but quite frankly, they cover... I mean, maybe we'll get some levels out from the Mandalorian or something. I was just DLC. about to say that if they have Mandalorian DLC, ooh, baby. They're, that's going to sell so well, too. That'd be cool. And obviously, there's a bunch of stuff that happens in that show um, across this couple seasons so far that could, you know you can easily see for some fun levels, some different types of things going on. So, yeah, I'd be into that. I want this to become, like, the hub for all the Star Wars LEGO experiences. So, like, even if they manage to redo some of the other ones, like, a, a Lego Rogue One would be dope too if that ever came to fruition. I'd be mm -hmm. down with that. Uh, next up, Marvel Ensemble game from Skydance New Media. Obviously, this is Amy Hennig's new game. Now, what is the ensemble cast of this game, Dom? Because obviously, ensemble means it's a group of people, right? Now, it could be a ragtag, wink, wink, group of superheroes. Uh, that's a, obviously for people who may not know, ragtag was the project name for. Or canceled Star Wars title. <laughs> um, but it's going to, in order for it to be a licensed Marvel game, it's probably going to have some notoriety in terms of the name of the team. So here are some that I can't, that I wrote up uh, that from least likely to most likely. Okay, Dom? I'm not including Guardians of the Galaxy event or the Avengers because both of those games already exist, and I doubt that they'd license Amy Hennig to just do another game with that ensemble, right? doesn't really mm. make sense. First up, we have what I call the space ensemble casts, which are the Eternals and the Inhumans. Both probably not likely. Eternals would be exciting because they're essentially gods, and that'd be an interesting thing from a narrative perspective for Amy Hennig to handle. The Inhumans are kind of like in the doghouse for Marvel. We got the uh, appearance of Black Bolt in the new Doctor Strange. Other than that, I don't know if they're ever going to touch Inhumans for a long time. It's like why prioritize the Inhumans when you now have the mutants? Doesn't really make sense. Uh, next up, we have the possibly, but could also be years away, which is X-Men or Fantastic Four. Both of these totally That's plausible from a narrative standpoint, from a mm -hmm. marketing standpoint, would be super exciting. I think, honestly, these are ba based on how far away the game is. I think if the game is still years away, I think these are much more likely. But if her game is coming out in the next one or two years, I think the likelihood on those two drops dramatically. Because the way yeah, Marvel works is they like to they, they don't want to necessarily push something that they haven't done yet. And obviously they lead with the MCU, and I don't know if they want to tackle X-Men and Fantastic Four properly before it's closer to when their live action debuts happen for the company. That was the only thing I had thought of, uh, speculative good. I don't know Marvel, you know, and its cast with with um, with as much knowledge as you have, right? But that that was what I thought it was well, Fantastic Four, X Men. That was kind of the only things that came to mind as far as you know, obviously outside of uh, Guardians and the Avengers. So, but it I would definitely be the saying. most exciting for sure. Mm -hmm. I get what you're saying though with X Men because you know, obviously, like we've been wanting them integrated better into the MCU and maybe more movies or. I don't know all the details around that, um, how that would work, but I feel like, yeah, I, it would be odd for that to start with a, a big video game to me. I don't know, but I guess it's possible. Especially with another game we'll get to later starring one X-Men in particular, <laughs> mm -hmm. which we'll get to. Uh, next up, I would say these are the most street-level groups, meaning that from Amy Hennig's storytelling standpoint, it wouldn't be as much of a leap as going grand with superheroes or sci-fi and space and all that. And that would be A, the Defenders, yeah, that's which includes Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Daredevil, uh, even Moon Knight, that whole group, Punisher. Oh, and I think from a narrative perspective, that would be really good because the type of game she designs are very much adventure-based, and I think that the Defenders lend themselves to that, uh, which would be really exciting. Um I don't know, it'd be a fun uh, ensemble. And they're, they're known enough to where 
the marketing wouldn't be tough, but they're not super popular in that there's some creative license with them, which I think is really fun. Mm-hmm. And the other one is Young Avengers, uh, which also is pretty popular now, especially in the MCU with them introducing all of these Young Avengers, Miss Marvel, Kate Bishop, all of that. You can differentiate yourself enough from the main Avengers cast and have a younger group and do a coming of age thing because it's kind of a genre we haven't seen touched fully in the Marvel game space in recent years. You could kind of say Spider-Man and Miles Morales to some extent, but with a cast of characters, I think that's a totally different tone in terms of coming of age. Uh, either of those you think are likely or possible at the very least? I, I feel like the Defenders makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Because that, uh, you know, as opposed to, well, I guess they technically weren't MCU. Even even still, they're, it's kind of like, hazy right obviously we've had some well, now daredevil for sure right? is 100 percent. okay daredevil is um okay so i that feels more likely than x-men for sure and so where it's like from both we're familiar enough with them like a lot of those shows got super popular daredevil for sure and um and jessica jones and stuff um <clears throat> like i feel like that got enough popularity to where it makes sense but it's not so big of a thing that hasn't been touched at all by them like x-men I feel like that feels cool, and I think that fits in better with what I can picture Amy Henning having wanted to do. Um, yeah, c- compared to kind of like what you're saying, like, well, the Eternals are like you know gods or whatever. Um, that just feels very different. Granted, I have no, I don't, you know, maybe that's what she wants to do, but it just feels like a better fit, maybe. Well, and her track record seems to be she likes telling stories about people who are at their core good and altruistic, but not necessarily completely clean and devoid of guilt or sin or any of that stuff. Like she likes those mm-hmm. gray characters very much though. So. And the defenders can very much be great characters like daredevil kind of this whole shtick, right? Is his partnership with religion and how he deals with the violence he causes. Uh, and these last two groups fall into the ragtag bounty hunter bandit, bad guys doing good things type thing. The first one is thunderbolts. If you're not familiar with Thunderbolts, Thunderbolts are basically the Avengers comprised of a bunch of gray area people. It's uh, the bad guy from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's um, the Abomination. It's Punisher. It's all of these people who technically try to do the good thing, but they're not good guys. And I think that totally fits in. It's the closest thing Marvel has to the Suicide Squad. I think it's the easiest comparison to make. Um, and I think that fits right in line, especially with the Thunderbolts movie already being announced and scheduled for MCU. I think that's something I think that Amy Hennig and her crew can nail Thunderbolts. Um, and it's a cool name. I think they can pitch that and market it really well. And I do think people, it fit in in terms of releasing a superhero game where you're not playing as the goody two shoes, which I think could excite people. You're not playing as the good guy necessarily. And the other one is, uh, X-Force, which is Cable and Deadpool and Domino, uh, that group of people. I don't really have to explain. By this point, everyone knows who Deadpool is in his personality. Uh, and that adds a little bit more sci-fi flair, uh, more so than Thunderbolts. But I do think it's an, enough a-holes on that roster that uh, she can make it work. Those two are probably right below X-Men and Fantastic Four for what I'd be most excited from her and her team. Okay, interesting. I'm always learning about new Marvel people. Um, yeah you know, some of the deeper cut mcu uh, you know marvel characters um and apparently groups too so did you yeah, uh, have you not curious. seen uh deadpool 2 i've not watched either of the deadpool movies really good they're very funny you'd like them uh and yeah thunderbolts like i said is already scheduled so that's gonna be an mcu too so we'll see what happens there next up expected games so these are games that could totally show up they're not confirmed but we pretty sure that they are going to to some extent first one jedi star or star wars jedi survivor which Jeff Grubb, as of today, said it's coming out in March alongside the book that takes place between the first and second game. There's a book. How do you, yeah, it's Star Wars Jedi. Uh, it's written by Sam Meggs, who's a, a writer I really enjoy. Um, yeah, are, what do you think? Is it, is this showing up? Not confirmed, but pretty safe, especially if it's coming out in March. It seems like it should, right? We're, what, six months away? What, March? We're in August. Four, seven, seven, or seven months. months away. So it could totally um, do the Game Awards thing, technically. Yeah, and it's, I think this, it, 
I think it makes sense because it'll still get shown probably at the Game Awards and probably one other place too with a different trailer. Probably this is gonna get a ton of exposure, um, and then you know in the lead up here in the next seven months. So I could see that, and I think it would really bring a lot of credibility to this showcase in general. Like, for yeah, sure, like, this is the first one more time we're doing this, and it's serious, right? Um, so I, I think it makes a lot of sense to see that here. Next up, Star Wars Hunters, which is the Overwatchy Switch multiplayer game. That'll probably be there too. Um, not really excited for that. I don't know how much to add there. I don't know if you have anything to add. No, I know. I, I did see it got delayed. Um, I think it was going to be free to play, so like I'll download it and mess around with it. Although I guess I probably won't if it's multiplayer only, because I don't even I don't even pay for the Switch online because you have to pay for it, which is wild, apparently. So if that's the case. I won't. <laughs> uh, next up, this one is. This is, how would I phrase this? This is the most unlikely of the likely games, if that makes sense. Uh, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, which is Ubisoft's oh, Avatar game. It's a good point, because that is their property. It's Disney. Yep. And that movie is coming out. Is it this fall that Avatar 2 is coming out? I think so. I don't know. Yeah, so that makes sense. Now, these are, uh, next batch uh, is speculative games. I have this broken up into non-Star Wars or Marvel, then Star Wars, then Marvel. Okay, so it's three different groups. So out of the speculative games, we have Kingdom Hearts 4. Hmm. I didn't even think of that. That feels You also less... think about the partnership between Square Enix and Disney is also pretty yes. close. I guess I could see it. Um, I hadn't thought about that, though. That's interesting. That would be cool. Um, I'm still kind of like... 3 was like so... All right, I guess. Um, so I'm not super excited for four. And then there, like we saw a little bit uh, in that trailer from however many months ago, and it was felt odd. Sora in a city, it's very Mario Odyssey, but it didn't work as well from that trailer at least. But felt way less Disney, unfortunately for me, anyways. Yeah, but maybe, yeah, maybe I could see that. Um, I forgot about that game entirely. Next up, uh, Machine Games Indiana Jones title. That's a good point, too. I didn't think of that because they own Indiana Jones now, Lucas right? Lucasfilm, um, yep. Interesting. Um, which you would naturally think, well, at the next Xbox thing, you'd see more of that. But this, they have so much to work with that they could show. That's what makes this exciting. Oh, yeah. man. There's so and I'm not even full of the through list. We haven't even touched Marvel or Star Wars yet. Yeah. I mean, that makes uh, sense, too. I could definitely see that. Now for the wet fart, which is Aliens Dark Descent, which is that uh, game that was unveiled at Summer Game Fest. The, like, over-the-top shoot 'em up game. Whatever. Okay. But, remember, Disney owns Aliens, so it is what it is. Uh, next up, uh, this is a Star Wars section. The open-world Star Wars game from Ubisoft. Of course. I mean... Yes. If not now, when... Who knows how Ubisoft long needs a time. win, so they should show something here, yeah. whether it's Avatar or this, just show something. Ubisoft does need a win. Uh, Star Wars Eclipse from Quantic Dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, Respawn's FPS game, Star Wars FPS game. That would be great. I- I'm so hyped. I'm excited for that, almost as much as... Um, I mean, obviously, we don't we know nothing about it, but um, except that it's a first-person shooter, so... In theory, I'm super excited, and Respawn's doing it, so... Uh, that would be awesome to see what they got going on there. My my uh prediction would be that we see Jedi Survivor here, and then during Game Awards, the show towards the beginning of the show, we see another Jedi Survivor trailer, right? Like a launch trailer type thing. And then at the end of the show, the end of the show thing is, oh, by the way, Respawn wanted to show another Star Wars game, and it's the trailer for this would be sick, the reveal trailer for this. Uh, next up, we got the Marvel section. Marvel Spider-Man 2 from Insomniac. Mm-hmm. This, speaking of adding credibility to the show, this would be great oh, if we man. saw this. And Insomniac has been consistently shocking us with how quickly they're able to make games. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if not only does this pop up and then they're like, yeah, or actually they already said 2023 for this game. Right. Yeah, and PlayStation rarely does a thing where they don't have the breadcrumb in front of the breadcrumb you're currently eating. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean like when we Horizon was coming out, we knew God of War was on the horizon, pun intended. 
and we don't really have the thing that's next, right? Because Ratchet's out, yeah. Horizon's out. So, so I might think say with a date, maybe maybe March or something like that, even. Yeah, maybe. But even then, I just think you need something for people to be excited about because this will be a couple of months from God of War. You need to start building hype towards the next thing as well. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think once they're able to lock in the God of War date and make sure it doesn't delay, maybe that's when they get more comfortable with pushing Spider-Man 2. We'll see. Next up, Marvel's Wolverine, which we talked about the X-Men earlier. I don't think we see any mention of an X-Men game until this game is closer to release because then it's like, what's the point? Unless... It's an X-Men game focused on everybody but Wolverine, which I would enjoy because one of the biggest criticisms with the original X-Men trilogy of films, Dom, is that there were X-Men, there were Wolverine movies that featured the X-Men. You know what I mean? They weren't okay. X-Men movies. They were, it's Wolverine and his pals. And I think it would be pretty dope of Marvel to greenlight an X-Men game that doesn't feature Wolverine and features Cyclops and Jean Grey and Storm and Professor X and Beast and build it that way and then you have your wolverine game with logan running his own show on his own you know i think that's how i would do it anyways but we'll see the next two dom are rumored ea games from uh by jeff grubb and they're both from ea black panther and iron oh, yeah. man mm -hmm. uh the iron man game I, I mean if they use the tech they did for anthem I can't wait to see what that looks like because obviously when Anthem came out, despite all of its issues, it was the closest to an Iron Man game we've ever gotten. The, the, the way those suits worked was so sick. The Black Panther game, there's so much more details about this if you're going to be taking on the role of the Black Panther. I don't know if you saw the recent Wakanda Forever trailer, Dom. Uh, that trailer is super emotional. It's arguably my favorite Marvel movie trailer outside of maybe Endgame. Black Panther holds a special place in many people's hearts. It's a character that deserves its own video game. Uh, we often talk about representation in video games. And, you know, Black Panther did that for film, finally, for a whole community of people who wanted to see themselves as a superhero on the big screen. And it's, it's about time we get a AAA Black Panther game, right? Yeah, and it's supposed to be an open-world game, too, right? And Yeah, there's obviously a lot of potential there. This th this could be cool. I look forward to seeing more about that game. Just going over that list, there's so much Disney yes. and Marvel can show that it's exciting. And honestly, if they do it right, this could become one of those showcases every year or every other year, however they, uh, often they decide to do it. Mm -hmm. That could be a mainstay. My dream would be if they did it a little bit closer to in June and July. I would really be excited for that. But with uh, D23, D plus day coming up, it makes sense that they've kind of put those things together to really get people excited for the future of their entertainment with the video games and then all the other stuff. So mm -hmm. really exciting. Anyways, uh, I guess before we get into closing out the show and what we've been playing and all that stuff, what would be if you could be like, I want to see this. So you could pick one thing from their catalog that you want to be at that showcase. What would it be? Um, I want to see the Ubisoft Star Wars game. That's still like we know we know who's doing it um and we know it's it should be big um and we've not heard very much from ubisoft at all lately uh i just want to see more of that i i'm probably still like most excited for jedi survivor because we just we, the first one the first game was so good and that one's coming soon but i just want to see this ubisoft game so badly like what are they what is it what i don't know that's that's, if I could pick anything to guarantee, like that's what I want to see more of. So obviously, as, to no one's surprise, Dom picked a Star Wars game, and I'm gonna pick a Marvel game, which is <laughs> as expected. But my my um my thought process is the same. So you, obviously, with Jedi Survivor, you're excited for it, but it's more of a known quantity, and you want to see yeah. the unknown. Exactly. For me, I could see, do the same thing. Marvel Spider-Man Two to me is a known quantity. Like I kind of know what that's mm -hmm. gonna be, and I'm excited to see it but I want to see that Black Panther game. Like, I want, I, you yeah. know, it's an open-world game. Like, I want to see what that is, um, which is funny because we both picked the open-world game over the the, the known the sequel to the thing we already love. Uh, but it's like, those are much more likely to appear. You know what I mean? So it's like, I want to, like you did, I want to pick the thing that's probably unlikely to show up, and yeah. hopefully we'll see it. We'll see what happens. Um, in terms of what we've been playing, uh, I've hopped into Cult of the Lamb, but I'm going to save a lot of my thoughts until Dom hops into it, because what's the point? Other than that, I'm playing Madden 23 like the clown I am. Every year I pick it up and I play it. 
it's not as bad as people talk about on the internet. It's certainly not a great game either, especially with me playing MLB The Show the last couple of years through Game Pass. The level of quality and what they deliver to the audience, it's such a shame because the NFL is the most profitable professional sports organization on the planet, and they have the worst simulation license title out of any sport. And people might be like, oh, but, you know, but soccer, isn't soccer profitable? Well, collectively, if you take all, like, the 17 professional leagues in the world, yes. But each of them are individual. There's, like, the Premier League and then La Liga. And uh, the the funniest one to me is the German League, which is called Bundesliga, which is obviously it's just a German word. But it's so funny to me because I'm a dumb American, and I just love the way it (laughs) sounds, Bundesliga. Uh, But, yeah, it's a shame. Uh, Fans deserve better. I can't wait for college football returning next spring, hopefully. Oh, fingers okay. crossed. Um, other than that, it's same old, same old. Uh, the one thing I want to say, non-video game, is go watch Prey on Hulu. I'm not a Predator fan. I've never really watched or engaged with any of the Predator films. I'm not a big fan of those. But Prey on Hulu is a phenomenal film. Uh, for those who don't know, the pitch is, imagine if uh, Predator landed on Earth in, seven, in the 1700s near... Uh, an indigenous tribe and this daughter and her brother have to fight the predator off. It's really good. Like really good. Yeah. I've been hearing that this is good and uh, I'm, you know, I've never watched any of these, anything in this franchise, but apparently, yeah, like doesn't matter. So you I, don't I need to. to, I I had to no touchstone outside of like knowing Arnold Schwarzenegger was in it and what the predator looks like, Dom, like the things you inherit through just pop culture. Mm-hmm. phenomenal film i was not lost it was so engaging so good it has a dog in the movie as her companion which is also a plus one we like dogs and one of the things this isn't a spoiler for the movie one of the thematic things it does which i love is that obviously the movie is a predator franchise movie but thematically it also showcases the predators aka the colonists because the colonists play a role in this movie too like european okay. colonists mm-hmm. very good uh, one thing I didn't experience because I can't speak Comanche, uh, Comanche, but the entire film is also watchable in Comanche, which is the indigenous language of the people featured in the movie, which is super a super nice touch yeah. to that they didn't need to do. So very cool. Yeah, it's on Hulu. The reason it came out on Hulu and not in theaters is because when Disney bought when Disney bought Fox, if they put this movie in theaters, then it would have went to HBO Max instead of oh. Disney Plus. Okay. So they're just like, we're just gonna put it on Hulu then. Uh, and you know how HBO Max is, so thank God that it happened. Um, anyway, so that's it for me. What about you? So I entirely finished Doom Eternal, and damn, it's uh, it wasn't too long actually, but it was an absolute blast. And uh, it just I was just in the mood for that. I wanted to just run around at ridiculous speeds as a ridiculously powerful character called Doom Guy. Just absolutely slaughtering demons in various weird environments i was kind of really pleased with all the different platforming they added in this one compared to the previous game some people kind of didn't like that like um it's certainly i think it was a, a perfect like here's a thing to break up the monotony that can start to happen of just uh the the first person shooter stuff it was Here's some cool new platforming that is actually kind of difficult at times and some nice puzzles thrown in there too that I, I thought it was really well balanced the way they incorporated all that. And um, and also like some of the environments are really different than you know kind of the stuff we saw over and over in the first game too. So I really liked Doom Eternal. It was a heck of a lot of fun and very hard too. I kind of forgot. Um, I you only hear of a, a terrible a terrible thing. I bought Doom Eternal at launch with all the DLC included, and I haven't touched it yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it was. Just what, what did it come out but... near? I, I bought it, and then something else came out, and then I just never. It's one of those things, you know, where like mm-hmm. it just you get lost in the sauce of another game, and then it just falls in the backlog, and then you never get to it. I'm gonna look that but up. Yeah, quick. I'm still. Uh, I still have like a trial of Game Pass, so I'm gonna, you know, run through as many Game Pass games as I can. Well, that's still going on. And then... Have you played Unpacking yet? No, I do have it downloaded, and that's that's one on the list. I found a different game called Unsighted that really... I only just barely started it, but it's 
kind of it reminds me a lot of Hyperlight Drifter, the kind of the aesthetic it has. Um, I have it downloaded. I haven't gone to it yet. I heard good things about it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's looking like I'm gonna keep going with that next, and and then Inside is back on Game Pass, so I think it'll finally be time to where I play Inside. Yes. <laughs> uh, the other one um, I wanted to recommend is Citizen Sleeper. So Citizen Sleeper is a cyberpunk game, but it's a narrative-focused game. That being said, I don't know if you're going to like it because it's a lot of text reading. It's not a visual novel. There is gameplay involved of like puzzle solving and moving your character around and doing stuff, um, but it is a lot of reading. It's very good, though. And it's one of those things with Game Pass where if it wasn't on Game Pass, I think it would have a hard time pitching to you of spending your money on it. But I would suggest you downloading it, Dom. And if you have time to eventually get to it, check it out. Like I said, might not be for you. Totally get it. But the sci-fi world it builds in there is really cool. It's unlike anything I've played in terms of the setup of the game. Very interesting. interesting. All right, Citizen Sleeper. Um, but yeah, that's 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 what I played for games. I do have to shout out um, uh, on Apple TV Plus, which is like a chore of a streaming service that also exists. But anyway. I started watching on that service a show called Mythic Quest, which is um, oh, the Ubisoft uh, show. <laughs> yeah, I don't really understand that, but anyway, um, uh, it's <laughs> like produced by uh, Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and and Charlie Day as well, and then uh, Rob also stars in the show. But it's basically a workplace comedy, um, except it's you know it's a game developer that's the workplace, and they had this huge MMO and it's you know super dysfunctional and all sorts of shenanigans like that. And it's, you know, it's not, obviously it's not like accurate to what I assume um, a developer looks like in reality, but they do, you know, very relatable. And a lot of the stuff that they, they tackle and even like some of the issues that we talk about with um, that game studios have and things like that, they tackle from a comedic lens, obviously. And I don't know, it's been super funny. And, um, Ashley yeah, Birch I, is in I, it, right? Yes. Yeah. She's one of the characters there. She's pretty good. Hell yeah. It's one of those shows that I've wanted to watch, and obviously anything made by anybody attached to Always Sunny is going to be intriguing. Yeah. There's a couple of shows like that on Apple Plus. Like, I want to watch Ted Lasso. I want to watch that. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the, like, um, workplace mystery show that recently came out that people like? Uh, yeah. Severance, maybe. Severance, yeah. Honestly, even that show with Jason Momoa looks interesting, that C, where it's like a blind tribe or whatever. Yeah, that's a cool concept. I was I'm debating on trying that out too. They have a lot of shows popping up on in this app. Well, and all of their stuff has high production value, regardless yes. of how good it actually is. All of their shows are look apart. Yeah. Um, by the way, I looked it up, and boy howdy, no wonder Doom Eternal got lost. You ready for this? Oh yeah, let's go. What, so in here? March of 2020, this is when Doom Eternal came out. Call of Duty Warzone came out on March 10th. Which was huge for me. I got lost in Call of Duty Warzone. March 11th, Ori and the Will of the Wisps came oh, out. sure, sure. And Animal Crossing on Switch came oh, out. Oh, yeah. Because this is, this is like at the start of the pandemic. Yeah. That's marked for me by Animal Crossing, among other things. And yeah. State of Decay 2 came out, which I also mm -hmm. played. Uh, dude, Half-Life Alex came out. Really? Neo 2? <laughs> oh my god, this one is ridiculous. The Division 2? Oh, that was on Stadia. Never mind. Uh, huh. Yeah, this month is crazy. Persona 5 Royale came out. Call of Duty yep. Modern Warfare 2 Campaign Remastered. Yeah, no wonder I didn't get to Doom Eternal. Sh sorry, Doom Eternal. I need to show its respect. I want to play that by the end of the year. Um, Oh, and then, yeah, shout out Better Call Saul, right? There's Penelope. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. So that series ended, and it's bittersweet. Really well done ending. Um, they Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould like keep showing that like they really do a great job at ending series because a show is hard to end. You know, even the best shows sometimes struggle with their endings. It's really tough to get right. I think Game of Thrones. I think <coughs> they did it again here. Really well done. Um, and just how the same as like that feeling of when the show is done, you feel kind of bittersweet. The ending itself is is bittersweet. Where like it's it's very satisfying, but also you know there's parts of it that are just like tough to swallow, but like but 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 still good, um, you know. So really well done. That show was just phenomenal. Probably that and Breaking Bad. I definitely decided um 
until I decide something else randomly or remember something. Top two TV shows for me, just just hands down, and just in general. Uh, absolutely adored both of them, and they're tied for that. I have not distinguished. So, <laughs> Didn't he recently sign a deal to create a new show? Yeah. Like, he it was a and... big deal. Like, he, it was, I forgot what company it was with, but they're like, yeah, once Better Call Saul is done, we want you to make us a show. Mm. Which isn't surprising, obviously. Go ahead. I'm not sure what else. Uh, You know what's weird, too? I haven't been able to get to... I shouldn't say I haven't been able to. I definitely have. I haven't focused on getting to Better Call Saul yet. But now that it's over, I'm actually more intrigued to start it up and get through it. It's like that pressure of, I want to experience the story before it's spoiled for me and the fact that it's actually done now makes that more intriguing to me than before if that makes sense so if if it stays on the same cadence like this last season will hit netflix sometime next year right um but otherwise this last season that just aired will be tough to to watch unless you can get it like unless you subscribe to like some amc service they probably have or whatever well Um, i could also probably dvr out on youtube tv probably oh yeah that'd probably work yeah yeah i'll i'll they figure it out there if there's a will there's a way i'll I'll get it to work honestly i wouldn't even be beyond if by that point if i can watch most of the show and then the only thing i'd have to do is buy the final season like to watch it i'd it's be down bad. give it like 20 30 bucks you know what i mean because if Pay you, for the things you enjoy through the first five and it's as good as um i'm telling you it is then you'll be very motivated to watch the last exactly exactly (laughs) and i I very much trust your opinion uh so i think that's pretty much it for this week's show next week we'll probably be talking about what happened at gamescom i doubt it'll be any major announcements there's a whole dead island 2 thing did you see that yeah apparently that's going to be revealed which is very weird (laughs) uh not even taking place on an island which is odd I guess if you think about it hard enough, a continent could be considered an island, just a very large one, I guess. Well, no, because I think continents actually connect to the core of the Earth, right? They're not floating. Islands are floating. I don't think islands actually connect to the ocean floor. That's a good point. I guess I didn't know that continents were. I think islands typically are not. I don't know. Here, I'm going to Google this real quick before you end the show. Why aren't continents islands yep i knew it was going to be a top search result (laughs) an island is a body of land surrounded by water continents are also surrounded by water but because they are so big they're not considered islands okay then never mind my my thought process made sense though right yeah like you would assume that the continent but i guess they wouldn't be fully connected because of there was pangea and then they separated but that could be just a shifting of tectonic plates whatever that's your science uh for the week Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys next week with episode 253 covering Gamescom and everything else that happens. Maybe some more games will be delayed. Maybe some games will be leaked. Who knows? We'll see. See you guys then.